Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head from Rochester in the UK, Chimakar Sandu from Toronto in Canada, and uh, it's good to see Sandu looking so uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed today because he's had a tough week, ladies and gentlemen. He has been he has been on it. It has been one of the biggest weeks of his professional career with WrestleMania and everything going on, and uh, he's had some coffee. He's online with me right now, and uh, yeah, looking to talk. Talk through some fights, but first off, how are you bearing up? Because you should be going into some sort of some sort of downer at this point, right? Yeah, mate. WrestleMania was a pleasure to work. It's tough. It's challenging. It's a part of the gig, but there were a lot of shows. It was, I think, seven seven shifts in the space of like eight days. It was madness, uh, but we got through it. Had a good time doing it. It was a great event. WrestleMania, I think for people that love pro wrestling and love the WWE specifically, even if you just tune in for like WrestleMania season, I think everybody kind of walked away happy with that event. And it was also interesting to see fans in attendance for the first time. There were a few issues on night one with the weather, which was uh, a bit funny, to be honest with you. You're in an open air stadium, you're in Florida, and all of a sudden there's like thunder and lightning and, you know, gale force winds and rain and all the rest of it you've got people wearing ponchos so that was interesting but honestly yeah you know happy to kind of get through it all and i'm in the kind of process of kind of decompressing a little bit just a little bit simon before things ramp up again and boy do we have a lot of events to talk about in the in the coming weeks because the ufc is back and they're not stopping man they are just not stopping and, and then we've got some bizarre you know, fights from other promotions and the world of boxing. Combat sports is on fire, Simon. That's what, that's what I have to say. It is. It is. And there's no sign of the fire brigade. It is getting very, very hot and hot and busy. So uh, let's, let's just, we've got a lot of news to unpack this week. So let's very quickly just run through uh, the abridged highlights of what's happened since we were last on the podcast. First off, UFC on ABC what was it? Three, two UFC on ABC two Marvin Vittori versus Kevin Holland this past weekend. It was supposed to be Darren Till versus Marvin Vittori, but we didn't get that. Darren Till obviously uh, ruled out with a broken collarbone. Kevin Holland stepped in. And to be honest, it wasn't, it wasn't a very good fight. I didn't think I thought Marvin Vittori did what he needed to do to win. He won convincingly on the scorecards. Uh, and then started calling for a title shot. I don't know what you thought of that performance, Sandu. I thought it was solid, but is that was was that the performance of a man who should be getting a title shot next? For me, no. What do you think? I don't. I don't think so either, Simon. I, I have to admit, I didn't watch the entire UFC card. I, I was in WrestleMania mode. I did tune in for the main event because that was, I guess, the, the most important fight um, from that card. And look, I think from Marvin Vittori's standpoint. It, it's a win. He gets paid. He keeps his momentum going. He gets some cage time. Does it lead to a title shot? No. I think the fight to make is the fight that was billed initially, and that's you run it back, make the fight one more time. You rebook Marvin Vittori versus Darren Till. There's clearly some heat between these two guys. They they were going back and forth on social media, you know, prior to Darren Till getting injured, and then even after that, Darren Till was going at. Marvin Vittori fairly hard uh, with it with his social media posts and I think that is something that can be booked later on this year perhaps sometime in the summer it's a good clash of European fighters and I think the attention for where we can find the next title challenger 
is what we have upcoming this weekend. I think, you know, Robert Whitaker taking on Kelvin Kasdan, especially if Whitaker wins. Uh, I'm not entirely sold on the idea of Gaslam winning this fight and then jumping ahead of everybody else, given his track record as of late and getting a title shot. But if Robert Whitaker wins, Simon, that's the guy who should be fighting for the title next. But we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But going back to last weekend, yeah, Vittori versus Till is the fight to make, in my opinion, next. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree uh, more with that one. I, I think we said moving uh, leading into that fight, it was kind of a standstill fight for Marvin Vittori. There wasn't, unless he absolutely blew Kevin Holland out of the water in spectacular fashion, I don't really think there was much chance of him advancing his stock that much, especially given how Holland had performed against Derek Brunson previously. Um, and uh, I think for Holland, taking a bit of time out, a bit of time away from the cage and just working working on his skills and coming back a, a fresh man after a, a pretty busy last 12, 18 months, uh, that might be the best thing for him. Also on that card, Sando, I don't know if you uh, if you caught the co-main. I know you, you say you were on the WrestleMania juicy, but Arnold Allen versus Sadiq Youssef, for me, that was, that was the most interesting fight of the night. We had Sadiq Youssef, uh, hotly tipped prospect. Arnold Allen, hotly tipped prospect. Both guys hadn't lost under the UFC banner. Um, Allen uh, did the business, won the fight by unanimous decision, clearly took the first two rounds, both competitive rounds, but clearly won them both. Uh, Yusuf came back strong in round three, but didn't really put Allen in that much trouble. So uh, Allen won it 29-28 on the scorecards. And uh, he's now ranked eighth in the UFC's featherweight division now. And uh, some of those guys inside the top five, might have to start looking over their shoulders soon because I think I tweeted on Fight Night Sandy. We still, I still get the impression we haven't quite really learned just what Arnold Allen's potential really is. Like we, we're still scratching the surface, but he looked really, really good against Sadiq Youssef, and the UFC commentary team were absolutely salivating over his performance. He, he really impressed a lot of people. Yeah, I didn't see the fight, Simon. I saw the result, and I saw MMA social media. Keep heaping praise on Arnold Allen, and my God, this guy is on some incredible form. He has not lost since he made his debut in the UFC back in 2015. That is a win streak that's lasted now six years. That's serious, Simon. He's got a really good number next to his name. He's number eight. He's well inside the top ten now, and I'm going to, I think, double stamp on what I said last week. I think Max Holloway is the fight to make. I don't know about you, Simon. I, I know people might think that's maybe a little bit too ambitious right now for Arnold Allen. But if you look at the, the rankings and see some of the names, I know a lot of fights have, uh, have either been booked or some are already in motion to get booked. I think right now, Max Holloway is thinking to himself, all right, look, I thought the Volkanovski-Ortega fight would have taken place you know, sooner rather than later. And then he would have been perfectly in place to fight the winner at some point later on this year. We know now with Volkanovski and Ortega being the coaches of the next season of Tough, that fight's not going to take place until August, September, depending on how things shake out and play out and, you know, injuries and things of that nature. The winner of that fight may not be ready to go again until end of the year, early 2022. So if I'm Max Holloway, I want to try and stay active. I want to try and stay busy. And who better to fight then a Brit who's inside the top 10 is undefeated. It will be a great step up in competition for Arnold Allen. At the same time, Max Holloway fights, you know, somebody else that's, you know, in the top 10, but perhaps not 
next to him. You, you, you don't want to kill contenders, so to speak. So you don't want to be fighting anybody that's number two, number three, number four. Alan's number eight. Again, I might be crazy, but I think that'd be a great fight. I think it would be a real interesting test. I mean, Arnold Allen would be stepping in there with, for my money, the best featherweight on the planet if he's in there with Max Holloway, because I, I think he is the best featherweight on the planet. I think given what you said about what's happening with the title right now, um, I honestly think Max Holloway should be calling for an interim title fight against whoever. But I think after the performance he had, he should be fighting for a belt next. That's that's, that's how I view it. I don't know if they would put Arnold Allen in an interim title fight yet. I think he'd probably need to beat a top five guy before he got that. But yeah, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fights getting booked and it's not 100% clear what they're going to do with Max Holloway. So you never know. I mean, it, it sounds slightly far-fetched, but it probably isn't if you take a look at how that division is shaping up. But um, one thing is for sure, Arnold Allen is going places at 145 pounds and it's great to see. It is really, really great to see. Uh, just to, Quickly sort of check off uh, the remaining business from, from that fight night. Mackenzie Dern looking absolutely fantastic. Finishing Nina Nunez, uh, formerly known as Nina Ansaroff, of course, by first round armbar submission. Make no mistake, Mackenzie Dern is a legitimate title threat at 115 pounds. Uh, she is probably one, maybe two wins at most away from a title shot in that strawweight division. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez beat Mike Perry. Mike Perry looked terrible in that fight. Daniel Rodriguez looked good, but largely because Mike Perry refused to move his head for, uh, well, throughout the entire three rounds. He got his head knocked off for three rounds. It was ridiculous. Um, Matthias Gamrock, KS, KSW champion, getting a great knockout of Scott Holtzman. But the other big win for the Brit Pack uh, listenership, of course, Jack Shaw extended his unbeaten record. Beat Hunter Azure by split decision, which is a scandal. That there's no way that fight was a split decision. Uh, one of the judges must have taken a pee break halfway through that fight um, because he scored it 29-28 to Azure. I don't know what fight he was watching. Um, the other two judges, who both seemed to be paying attention, gave it 30-27 for the Welshman. And uh, again, the commentators were waxing lyrical about Jack Shaw's performance uh, on fight night. So. Um, he is another one who is certainly working his way up the roster as well. So big things for the Brits, Sandu. We, 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 you know, we've had Michael Bisbing up at the top. We've had Brad Pickett entertaining fans for years. Dan Hardy fought for the title. Darren Till is still looking to looking to get himself a championship belt. But we do have another generation of British fighters moving their way up. Uh, and two of them on Saturday night really did themselves absolutely no harm at all. Good performances from both. Yeah, Jack Shaw undefeated now, 14-0. Really good to see him just get that experience under his belt at the very top level. Now let's see if he can push on, you know, maybe get a main card fight. Maybe he can get a co-main fight and then kind of see how he handles more media and, you know, higher ranked opponents, you know, better competition as he makes his way through the ranks of the UFC. Look up, you know, we just talked about him, Arnold Allen. I mean, this guy, he's been there at the top of this game for now, what, six years, undefeated, Every time he's fought, he puts on a good performance. He's winning. That's the most important thing. He's got great momentum. And he's inside the top 10. And now you can start to put him up against, you know, some real big names. And I think, you know, Alan also needs that. He needs 
bigger names, better competition, former cha- champions, former title contenders, things of that nature. Kind of, let's see if you can go from the level he's at to the real elite level. Uh, but yeah, Jack Shaw is someone that one should be really excited about, especially the Welsh contingent from the UK. Uh, but yeah, I want to quickly mention one thing, Simon. I think I didn't, again, see the fight, but I saw everybody really praising Mackenzie Dern's performance, as you rightly co-signed uh, a few minutes ago. I think Joanna Janjacek is the fight to make, Simon. I don't know about you. Mackenzie Dern versus Joanna Janjacek. Tatiana Suarez, we know at the moment, is going to be you know, on the on the injury list for, for the foreseeable future. So as much as I'd like to see her return to competition, it doesn't seem as, as though that's going to happen anytime soon. We've got this incredible fight with Rosanami Yunus and Young Wei Li coming up fairly shortly. I think what you do right now is Dern, Janjacek, in a number one contender fight to set up another contender for the champion later on this year. What do you think? It would be a really interesting one because... Yeah, I mean, like you, it's proper striker versus grappler stuff, isn't it? It's almost a throwback fight. You know, Joanna is a pure striker. Um, and Mackenzie Dern, whose striking has come on a bundle since she started teaming up um, with, uh, oh, crikey, coach Jason Perillo uh, down there at the Rucker Training Center in, in California. Um, she's really improved her stand-up, but she is, you know, her, her, her knockout punch is her jiu-jitsu. Um, and uh, we saw that on Saturday night. That would be a real clash of stars. I'd love to see it. Carla Esparza is an option. Uh, Yan Zhao Nan is ranked third. So who knows? Who knows? Joanna needs a fight. Um, it would be a very dangerous fight for her to accept. I think she's looking to fight up. I think she wants to be next in line, but she probably needs to get herself active again. So who knows? We could see that. We could we could see that as a possibility. Um, but you know, even even the world's very very best sometimes come unstuck sandu um and we saw that at one championship last week uh midweek wednesday night they're doing wednesday night shows on tnt in the states and it was in the eyes of many supposed to be the coming out party for one championship in the us and a big big opportunity for demetrius mighty mouse johnson to ascend to the throne the flyweight title was on the line against Adriano Moraes, a three-time champion uh, at flyweight at one championship. And DJ didn't just get beat. He got finished. He got knocked out. And it there was nothing out. You know, there was no shock about it. You know, it wasn't a mistake or anything or a, a, a controversial result. Adriano Moraes knocked him out, legit, you know, knee to the face. The only thing I would say with it, Sandu, because I, I watched it live, it showed me that even... The, for someone as as well drilled as uh, Demetrius Johnson, when you don't fight under the same rule set in every promotion, there's always there's always a chance you can get caught. And he got caught with a knee when he was downed, which in the UFC in Bellator would have been illegal, wouldn't have been allowed. In one championship, it's allowed, and he was in the process of getting up. He was on one knee, and uh, Marias, who's used to fighting with those rules. Caught him with the knee, knocked him flat, finished him, game over. Brilliant performance from Adrian, Adriana Marais, whose life story, if you haven't checked it out, I urge you to do so. Remarkable, remarkable life story. How he went basically from the streets of Brazil, abandoned as a kid on the streets of Brazil, now three-time world champion and has just beaten one of the greatest of all time uh, to solidify his own legacy within the sport. So um, all credit to him. Really humble guy. Trains out of ATT. Uh, in Florida as well. So uh, I know a lot of people were high on him going in, but most people 
didn't really know that much about him unless they'd followed one before. Uh, but that was a legit win and a bit of a surprise in the eyes of many. Me included, Simon. Me included. I did tune in for the co-main and main event on that one championship card. And I was surprised and I was shocked because I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of MMA out there. There's a lot of combat sports. I'm super busy with what I do with BT Sports. So I don't get time to watch a lot of other MMA outside of the UFC. I try my best when I can, but this was one that I was definitely going to be tuning in for. And you mentioned it. I mean, Demetrius Johnson, Simon, this guy, you know, he doesn't lose that often. And that was the very first time he's been finished in his illustrious career. So that just tells you everything you need to know about what an, a major, major accomplishment this is for Adriana Marais. Prior to that, you had Demetrius Johnson had losses to Brad Pickett, to Dominic Cruz, and to Henry Cejudo, but they were all by the judges' scorecard. He had never been finished inside the distance. And incredible performance by Adriana Marais. And overall, I mean, I think if you're one championship, you know, this is your first major event on, you know, not on US soil, but prime time, midweek. It's on, it was on TNT you know on the, in, in the US and you had the lead in of AEW a pro wrestling show so both of those you know you know both programs are you know really targeting the kind of 18 to 49 male demographic and and so forth so and if any you know casual fans were going to be tuning in it would be for Eddie Alvarez and for Demetrius Johnson and to see both guys you know unfortunately you know you know, you know lose you know one by DQ in the Eddie Alvarez situation and in Demetrius Johnson's case, lose you know by a by a, a need to a grounded opponent, which is legal. Tough, it's tough. One championship. They obviously paid big money for these guys, but them's the breaks. This is MMA. Anything can happen. And if anything, I think if I'm one championship, I'm trying to do a rematch. You know, let's see if it was just a fluke. Did Demetrius Johnson have a, a bad night at the office? You've got to use these guys as best as you can for the limited amount of time you probably got them under contract because Demetrius Johnson, he's fought for them, I think three or four times now. So I don't know how long his contract is or how long he even wants to fight for. But if he's going to be someone that you can use, if you're one championship to build up future stars, Adrian Marais is one guy that everyone now knows and are aware of because he just beat Demetrius Johnson. I think you run it back so that he could perhaps claim to have two wins over arguably one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, very interesting to see what they do with him. I mean, Kyra Akmetov might be his next opponent. He's a former champion, uh, more of a wrestler. Um, and uh, I think that might be the matchup we see next for him. So keep an eye out for that. Very quickly, you mentioned you mentioned Eddie Alvarez. It, it, he was disqualified. He was given a red card, right, which is, which is the way it's done over there. I thought it was a joke decision. I really did. I thought it was absolutely awful um, piece of refereeing. I thought he got completely... He basically got trigger happy and panicked, I think. Um, I thought that um, if there were fouls, they were really narrow sort of borderline in terms of the way the strikes were being landed. There were complaints that the strikes were to the back of the head. I only saw probably one that was a clear shot to the back of the head. Um, and at that point, he was warned about it and he changed his target. He, he rolled the guy over and was hammer fisting from the front. So at that point, I didn't see I didn't see anything that really warranted it. I thought if you're going to stop the action to warn him, stop the action to warn him, take the position away from him and restart them in the center of the cage. But Lapicus, uh unable to continue at that point 
if if the referee has decided that the foul was deliberate, like he he was like he was deliberately hitting him in the back of the head, then he wasn't watching the fight that I was watching. I mean, Alvarez was telling him as he was hitting him, "I'm hitting the ear," and like the whole thing just just stank a little bit for me. Um, and uh, I think Chatri uh, Sitchadong, who is the CEO and president of One Championship, has since come out and suggested that they're going to do the rematch as soon as possible between those two. Get Lapakas back to full fitness, make sure he's all checked out and okay, and they'll book it again. Um, but uh, Eddie Alvarez might be fighting someone else uh, outside of MMA uh, in the not-too-distant future. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, just wanted to quickly... Uh, mentioned that because I thought Eddie Alvarez got stiffed by the officials. Um, I'm not, you know, he looked like he was going on to win that fight quite convincingly and he had that taken off him. He's had a really rocky road in one championship. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Um, the only other thing, Sandu, very quickly to bring people up to speed was Bellator, Ryan Bader beating Lyoto Machida by decision. Nothing much to write home about as a spectacle. He just dominated the fight. 49, 46, 49, 45, 49, 45. The only other thing of note on that fight card, really, Kat Zingano on a Bellator debut getting a first-round submission. Um, but that pretty much was it. Um, that brings us pretty much up to date, Sandu. And, you know, initially we thought this was going to be a relatively quiet quiet fight week uh, as we lead up to uh, the next UFC show. But all of a sudden we got news stories coming out left, right and centre. It's all, it's all got busy all of a sudden. And, of course, none bigger. Than, uh, than, than what's been going on with Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. Number one, the fight is on. But number two, all hell has broken loose on social media. Bring us bang up to speed with this because this is all crazy and I don't really know how it all started. Well, it started back at the, uh, I guess, the back end of last year, right, Simon? When Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor were going back and forth on social media and they were trying to get the first bout organized. It ended up going from a charity event in Ireland at one point was, was was bandied about to an official fight in the UFC. And throughout that process online, Conor McGregor said, hey, listen, I'm happy to donate $500,000 to, to your foundation, the Good Fight Foundation. And everyone's like, wow, this is amazing. Great bit of PR for Conor McGregor. Obviously, you know, incredibly generous with the, the money. He's, you know, easily the most, I guess, profitable and rich fighter to emerge from mixed martial arts in the, what, 27, 28 years that this sport has been around. He's obviously got multiple revenue streams outside of the sport. So great, fantastic. All right, so they have the fight. We all know how that one plays out. Dustin Poirier wins. Now they're obviously gearing up for a third fight. And he puts out a prediction. He's going to knock out Dustin Poirier via a fourth round upkick uh, to the face Anson Silva style against B Vitor Belfort. All fun and games. Mystic Mac gives his prediction. Great. And then what happens? Dustin Poy says, you know, I like that prediction, Connor. You did make another prediction, though. You, you predicted that you'd donate $500,000 to my foundation. And basically, your team has ghosted me, not replying to emails. And then Connor's obviously upset, going, you know, they're having a bit of back and forth on social media. Connor's essentially saying, hey, listen, I want to know how every single cent of this money is going to be spent before I actually send it off. My, my team, do their due diligence. You had head of Paradigm Sports Management and Connor McGregor's agent slash manager, Audi Attar, who doesn't tweet that often, you know, and he doesn't 
get involved in stuff like this that often either. But he got involved and he was kind of talking and sharing some more information with regards to, hey, listen, we had dinner together, Dustin. What are you doing? Why are you making this public? What, you know, what are you talking about? You know, Connor's a very generous man. This is going to get done and all the rest of it. Now, at that point, Simon, I'm thinking to myself, how much of this is how much of this is real? How much of this is fight promotion? Did Dustin go too far? Could he have handled this in a better way um, with regards to, you know, if he's not hearing back from Connor's team via email, can he DM Connor? Can he text Audien and say, hey, listen, guys, if we can't figure things out, I might have to go public with this because it's my foundation. And, you know, I'm just saying maybe there's another way to deal with it. But any, in any case, it is what it is. You know, Connor went off. And I'm seeing all sorts of social media. Oh, the old Conor McGregor is back. He's angry. He's vicious. He, and, and now he's amped up. And now he's got all the motivation in the world. You know, they're not going to be exchanging bottles of proper whiskey and, and hot sauce you know, at the weigh-ins. It's going to be, you know, there's beef now between these two guys and, and, and all the rest of it. So that happens. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, how much of this is real? How much of this is just fight promotion and then what happens simon conor mcgregor signs the contract and we get an announcement today by the ufc that the fight is officially on in front of fans in las vegas they're gonna tickets go on sale later on this week on friday and so look reading between the lines i don't know if it's real simon it still doesn't really get me any more juiced up for the fight them having a squabble over some money that was promised and is owed it needs to be sorted out that doesn't really get me going at all. This whole thing about the old Connor, just how he replied via social media. Listen, Connor has to win this fight. We've already spoken about this. He really needs to win this fight because if he doesn't, I think his stock could, you know, not plummet all the way down, but take a real, real hit in the eyes of casual MMA fans that tune in just for Connor McGregor fights that pay the big bucks for his pay per view events. So, anyway, I guess at the end of the day, All's at well that's ended well. Dustin Poirier has just put out uh, a note on social media kind of addressing the situation. He didn't technically apologize, but he basically says that he wished he had handled things a little bit different. I'll read out the statement because it's a, it's a very short one, Simon. But he put yeah. something out on Twitter and he said, listen, I'm very passionate about my charity. As you all know, I jumped the gun and took private matters between Connor and my foundation public. My mistake, we live, we learn. Spreading positivity and doing good is my goal. I feel like I have brought a negative energy and personal opinions into something I am working so hard on that gives people a reason to cheer and smile. I will take this in stride and continue to fight the good fight. New goal coming soon, and it's a big one. Thank you to all who are involved and all the supporters who believe in our vision. Hashtag fight the good fight and that was preceded by him saying one and one july 10th we settled the score excited for the trilogy with conor mcgregor and that's where we're at simon so again this had social media going this obviously gave plenty of fodder for media outlets to write stories and continue to update them as, as things kind of you know progress between conor and dustin but i don't know it's it's it didn't do anything for me personally i'm excited about the fight regardless it was a big old he said, she said story, wasn't it? And uh, the thing I didn't understand at first was, was A, why Dustin was bringing it out into the public domain. Because that I wouldn't have thought that was his usual style. You know, he's 
He's gen- generally a pretty respectful guy. You know, I know he was very hot-headed earlier in his career, but not 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 so much these days, you know. So I, I, that I thought was interesting that he brought that out into the public. But, but McGregor's reaction was way over the top. He went absolutely off on one and, you know, he was dropping all sorts of insults all over the place. And my initial reaction to that was, wow, Dustin's rattled him here, whether it be deliberately or, or by accident. He's really peed him off. Um, and um, then it kind of went on and on. And I'm like, okay, we've kind of had this now. Um, at what point does this become less about, you know, um, the promise of a donation? And how much is it to people trying to trying to uh, spice up some fight promotion? And lo and behold, we get the fight announcement. And now it's all being played down. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, all, as, as, as you said, I'm just glad that we've got the fight booked. All that talk about Connor. I think at one point Connor even said fights off. The fights off. I'll go fight someone else. Who was he going to yeah. fight, Sandu? You know who is the <laughs> like the highest ranked next guy to fight him would have been Justin Gaethje, who hits harder than Dustin Poirier. His leg kicks are a hell of a lot worse than than uh, than, than Dustin Poirier's, and the guy is an elite level wrestler as well. Although he hasn't used it that often, so I mean, you know, he'd have been every bit as difficult of an opponent if not stylistically worse than, uh, than Dustin Poirier. So, you know, I don't, and I don't think that that's a fight that, that um, Conor McGregor would have just leapt over the fence for. So they did. And, and it wasn't really anybody else unless he goes off and boxes. So I didn't buy any of that. I was like, no, don't be stupid. You're fighting Dustin. There's too much money involved in this. So um, the fact that it's all signed and sealed and we've got it is great. Now the build-up begins, and it's good. We've got a nice long build-up. I would assume this will be a pay-per-view event on both sides of the pond. This will be a Skybox office pay-per-view because it's Connor. Um, absolutely, this will be a, a Skybox office thing. Expect that card to get loaded up uh, with at least one title fight uh, underneath that main event. So, But, yeah, it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big night, and I'm pleased that they've finally got that fight booked. Next one we want to see booked, and I don't know if we will see it booked, is the oft talking about of oft talked about on this show Francis and Garnu John Jones fight? That's the other. That's the next one on our wish list to get ticked off. But I think we might have to sit tight for a little while before that one gets done. But um, big big fight for the UFC lightweight division. Um, I mentioned him earlier, former UFC lightweight champion Eddie Alvarez, and this one came out of left field. I, I caught this today. Eddie Alvarez has emerged as potentially the leading contender to face Oscar De La Hoya um, on his boxing return. Oscar De La Hoya uh, announced during the uh, Jake Paul-Ben Askren press, press conference a couple of weeks ago that uh, he's actually going to come back and fight again, which I don't understand why, but that's what he's going to do. He came out, spoke to Snoop Dogg for a bit, did a whole mi- a really terribly staged thing where he dropped the mic, which was pointless because his microphone wasn't even on when he did it. So no one could hear what he was saying. But um, he did the whole thing, and he said, well, who's he going to fight? Who's he going to fight? Turns out they've reached out to Eddie Alvarez, um, and Alvarez said that they're they're keen in a we want to get the deal done this week level of interest. So who knows? Alvarez might not get to fight Yuri Lapicus for a little while if Lapicus is, is as badly hurt as he let on in the cage. Maybe they've got to wait a little bit. Maybe uh, he can step out of one championship and, and, uh, and fight. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya. He pointed out that the last time uh, De La Hoya fought 
someone from Philadelphia. He fought Bernard Hopkins, who finished him with a body shot. So he said, if you want some more of that, more of that Philly boxing, then uh, I'll happily step in and do that. So who knows? You know, we, we, we're getting talk about these crossover fights all the time. We've also got the Jake Paul Ben Askren fight, and it seems like the whole MMA world is now beginning to unify. Who knew that Ben Askren, who so many people seem to love to hate, is now that is now got seemingly got the whole MMA world backing him against Jake Paul, who has uh, he's uh, he's he's had a bit of controversy following him around in recent times. So assuming that fight all goes ahead, that's going to be an interesting one. That's supposed to be this coming weekend. The foundation to all of this, Simon, is Triller. Triller yep. Fight Club. There was an announcement that was made earlier today that they have bought Fight TV. Now, Fight TV in many markets host and air UFC events, AEW events, pro wrestling, boxing events. And again, it depends which market uh, you're talking about. But AEW, uh, sorry, uh, Fight has a long history and a fairly successful one in the world of combat sports and professional wrestling. They actually air various other sports, but I think most people are, you know, hence the name Fight, uh, consider them uh, combat sports over the top streaming platform and pro wrestling. And so Triller purchasing them, that's a bold move. That's a major, major move, Simon. And it just compounds the fact that they're full steam ahead. Where is this money coming from? Will they last five, 10 years? That all remains to be seen. But right now, Simon, they're going for it. You've got Jake Paul versus Ben Askren coming up this week. Obviously, we'll see if the De La Hoya, Eddie Alvarez becomes official, and that's the path that they go down. But they, they love doing this crossover stuff, whether it's a mixture of MMA fighters competing in the squared circle in boxing. You've got celebrities jumping in like J Jake Paul. And it's a bit of a mishmash of so many different you know forms of sports and entertainment. But... I tell you what, Simon, whether you and me like it or not, whether the hardcore MMA fans like it or not, these guys are doing something and it's moving the needle. It's generating traffic. It's not doing Conor McGregor numbers. You know, it's not doing Khabib numbers or Mars of Dahl numbers, Nate Diaz numbers or, Ty you know, Tyson Fury, AJ numbers, but they're doing well. I mean, from what I can tell, they're doing well, right? And, you know, we've got Jake Paul, Ben Askren this weekend. I guess it's something to pay attention to, and I think it's a good discussion point. I mean, let's talk about why are MMA fighters even getting involved? Is it a payday? Is it a way for them to, before they ride off into the sunset, get that final, you know, payday before they kind of, you know, go off into retirement? Had they not made enough money, you know, in their MMA careers, is that why Eddie Alvarez, you know, went into free agency, signed with one, and and now going to do a boxing fight? It's in a, in one way, it's a sad state of affairs, and I wish MMA fighters could see out their entire careers in the in the world of mixed martial arts, and and that's it. But to see some of these guys have to have to do this, I don't begrudge them whatsoever. If that's what you need to take care of yourself and your family, by all means, go for it and do it. Um, it's why <laughs> the John Jones fight doesn't appear to be happening against Francis Ngannou. There's obviously a squabble there between John Jones, his management team, and the UFC and Dana White with regards to what he feels as though he should be paid in order to take uh, that fight and step up to heavyweight. So this isn't anything new. You know, combat sports and fighters and promoters, um, you know, trying to divvy up the pie, everyone trying to get what they feel as though is their fair share. That's always going to be a part of the fight game. That's nothing new. But yeah, Triller's a player. You know, we've got the UFC, we've got Bellator, 
Uh, we've got, you know, one championship now starting to kind of make some more inroads in terms of the big market, which is the US. That's where everybody wants to to succeed. Uh, and now you've got Triller. You know, they had, you know, during the pandemic, they had some successful events. Obviously, the, the, the Mike Tyson one, the big one. And, you know, from that, they are now starting to roll into more and more events. And we'll see how this whole relationship with Flight TV and the properties and the broadcast partnership that they own roll into the Triller platform. So very, very interested. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, because I've, I've been a little bit off the grid this past week, um, spending a bit of family time for I start a new gig. That Fight TV story isn't one that I, I, I actually knew. When you know, when you mentioned that, your eyebrows went up a little bit. That's a really good move. I mean, I don't know how profitable Fight TV was as an entity prior to this, but the one thing that Triller probably needed to get, whether it be through a deal or whatever, was an established platform from which to show their events okay they've got their social media presence on on their own app but rather than running around trying to do deals with people having that own over-the-top platform is absolutely perfect and if they're able to maintain the deals that fight tv already had you know they they, they used to have rising i think rising have now gone with a with another streaming platform now called live now but that you know they've got uh i think aews on there and there's a few other things on there you know that is a that is a an established base from which they can then start to promote their events, particularly internationally, where sometimes it's hard to get the audience in internationally through the various different broadcast partners. You can just direct them all through this one place and 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 hopefully they will get what they need. So I'm looking forward to seeing how all that plays out. Um and uh yeah, I mean Triller, it's not it's not elite level uh combat sport, but it's combat sport that will get people to tune in. And, uh, and watch. And I'll be honest with you, I'm interested to see how this Jake Paul Ben Askren fight goes. I mean, when I first heard it mentioned, I was like, no thanks, no thanks, not interested. But the more this has gone on, the more intrigued I am. The only thing that makes me a little bit worried or a little bit sad about it is if you're an MMA fighter like Ben Askren, right, who has had a stellar career, you know, I think only only the casuals, only casual fans will criticize Ben Askren's career as being any kind of write-off. Yeah, he got knocked out for the fastest knockout defeat in UFC history by by Jorge Masvidal. But look what he accomplished before then. You know, he, he was he was unbeaten up to that point. And uh, he'd beaten Robbie Lawler. He'd, he'd won the championship in Bellator. He'd won the championship in one championship. He was a former collegiate wrestling standout. You know, he had a, he's had an incredible career. For him to get knocked out by by Jorge Masvidal and to then end up boxing a former Disney actor and YouTube prankster in a fight that, you know, arguably a man of his sporting background should have nothing to do with. And then imagine if he lost that fight, what, you know, what that does for his his legacy in the eyes of, of fans. You know, that that to me would be heartbreaking to, you know, to see someone who has achieved so much in his career go down in history as the guy who got kneed into oblivion by George Masvidal and then beaten by a YouTuber in a boxing match. That would be, that would just be the worst. Now, if he goes in there and just bullies Jake Paul around the boxing ring, which could happen, then not so bad. But on top of all that, I think he might be getting the biggest payday of his career for this fight. He's getting a big payday. And as you said at the start of all of that, you can't begrudge someone from getting a, a, a big payday for getting in and competing, regardless of who you're fighting against. So um, all power to him. 
And uh, anybody who fights under the Triller banner, you know, go for it. Make the most of it. And I don't know how long they're going to be around for. Hopefully, you know, for their own sake, they're able to establish a, a long-standing uh, offering that isn't just going to be a flash in the pan thing here today, gone tomorrow. But um, for those competing, yeah, make the most of it. It's another earning opportunity. And uh, we'll see how it goes. Frank Miracles is fighting Steve Cunningham um, on the same card, former former cruiserweight world champion Steve Cunningham. So um, that's going to be that's going to be an interesting one to watch as well because uh, it was going to be Antonio Tava. He pulled out. Cunningham stepped in. That'll be a harder fight, by the way, for Frank Mir. But um, we'll see how all that goes on this Saturday night. So um, I'll have to investigate. If is it going to be on Fight TV? Are they going to show it on Fight TV? Is that all going to be in place, or is that is it? Was it just a, we've acquired this company and we'll deal with it further down the line? Is, is there any mention of that? Yeah, I'm not too sure to be honest with you, Simon, because I've been so focused on the the BT Sport coverage of this this weekend's UFC card, which yeah. is a you know again back to back weekends, prime time for everybody in the UK. It's a daytime daytime card in the Lovely. US, and so yeah, brilliant, right? So like you know, if you're gonna be at home, which I think still most people are for the most part around the world, and you're gonna be tuning in for the UFC card, maybe stick around and finish your combat sports off with a bit of cheesecake <laughs> a bit a bit of dessert a bit the, the cherry on top of the cake and uh, that is jake paul versus ben Askren. i tell you what though simon i'm not gonna lie that the tyson card i enjoyed and I, and I know a lot of people weren't really happy with um the, the musical performances and all that and, and maybe it's my age i'm in my late 30s but to see Snoop Dogg do a proper full-on set, I was so into it, leading into the return of Mike Tyson. And at that moment, I couldn't really, you know, give a monkey's about this YouTuber, right? Jake Paul fighting. Yeah, cool, 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 whatever. I'm here for the return of the legend that is Mike Tyson to see what he can do. And since then, I've had a chance to interview Jake Paul, get to know him. And you mentioned, obviously, you know, he's had a bit of a controversial week this week. But listen, the guy's getting involved, you, you, you know, Regardless of what you think about someone's personality, the fact that they are getting involved in combat sports is still a dangerous sport and anything can happen. It's an important fight for, for Ben Askren, in my opinion. He doesn't seem to think so. When I interviewed him recently, he feels like this isn't going to be you know, anything on his legacy. He's won Hodge trophies in wrestling. You know, he's, he's a champion in, in MMA in two different promotions, both in Bellator and one championship. But like you mentioned, Simon, at the, at, you know, and this is you know, part and parcel of being involved in, in moments in this sport that are seen by the most people. When people think of Ben Askren right now, they think of him getting knocked out in, what, six seconds by Jorge Mazadal. The other thing that they're going to probably think of following this weekend, if things go in Jake Paul's favor, is him getting knocked out by Jake Paul, this YouTuber. And, and the thing is, Ben Askren, no pun intended, takes all this stuff on the chin. He don't care. He goes on with his life. He's going to carry on coaching kids wrestling. He's going to carry on being a podcaster and doing his own content creation and, and all the rest of it. But I, for, for me and for us, Simon, you know how we are. Like We want to see the MMA guys do good and well, leave on high notes whenever possible, wherever possible. It doesn't always work out that way, unfortunately, but it is what it is. Yeah, and watching the press conference, it kind of made me laugh because it's like – it's like if my daughter came back from school and just started hurling, hurling sort of her playground jokes at me that I don't understand because I'm 44 and I don't understand what the hell she's talking about. 
I can't get upset by anything she's saying because I don't understand what I, it's like. It's like an alien talking to me in a different language. It was like that. Jake Paul doing his best to rile Ben Askren, who has got a great poker face for this sort of thing anyway. And he's very straight talking and all the rest of it. And uh, it's like everything Jake did was just like water off a duck's back. And I don't know whether it was just because Ben Askren is just so good at letting that stuff sort of just bounce off him or whether he just is completely oblivious to half the stuff that's going on and therefore it can't upset him. And then, uh, you know, the final thing where, where Askren just sort of half sort of laughed at Jake and sort of palmed him to the face as he walked off. And that's, that's the most shown image of the whole thing. I thought that was priceless because for everything Jake Paul did in that press conference, to desperately try and wind up Ben Askren, Askren just giving him the palm and walking off is the thing that really wound someone up. And it was Jake Paul getting wound up. So um, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's like a battle of the generations as well. And I, I, I fully admit, as a 40-something-year-old man, um, I'm firmly in camp Ben Askren for this one. You know, I mean, I, he's a legit MMA athlete. He's done the hard yards, you know, and uh, I think it would be a travesty to see his legacy tarnished in any way by losing to, to, to Jake Paul. But... Anybody who gets in the ring and competes deserves respect, no matter what you think about them as a person, as a as a as a competitor. You got to give them props. So um, I'm interested to see, interested to see how it goes. One final thing, and this is something to kind of uh, continue what you just mentioned. And this has been evident with Triller since they kind of entered the the fight game, so to speak. They try and check off as many boxes as possible from a marketing perspective. They're trying to like get as many different demos, young and old and MMA fans and boxing fans and people that don't really care about the fight game, but they want to listen to Justin Bieber or Snoop Dogg or whoever is lined up on the musical side. That's their business model. They, they, they try and you know cast their net as wide as possible to catch as many members of a paying audience as possible. So clearly they're seeing some decent numbers for them to go in out and buy Fight TV and integrate their streaming platform into Triller's offering. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's something to monitor. It's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but for, for the likes of you, me, I think, you know, at the very least we'll pay attention and we can obviously bundle it into, you know, what we talk about when we review every weekend's combat sports action. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's a it's a broad church this whole combat sports business and i don't care what what you know whether it's when it's bellator where it's one championship i mean the one thing with one championship the main event wasn't demetrius johnson it was a muay thai fight and it was an absolute banger rod tang is a superstar and everybody who watched that fight came away raving about the little man you know he's he's a pint-sized assassin and uh he's he's brilliant brilliant uh fun to watch and uh you know whether it's kickboxing MMA, boxing, Muay Thai, whatever it is, um, you know, I just love what I can't get enough of the stuff. It's great. And, uh, you know, my respect goes out to uh, to each and every one of them. And uh, we've got loads more coming this weekend. Friday night, very quickly, Sandy, before we head on to the UFC stuff, Friday night, we've got Bellator. Um, and uh, I'm getting my feet wet doing quite a bit of Bellator coverage for the BBC at the moment, which is which is uh, which has been great fun. We've got. The light heavyweight tournament is carrying on. We had Bader beat um, Machida last weekend. We've got two more quarterfinal matchups this weekend. Vadim Nemkov, the reigning champ at 205, taking on former champion Phil Davis. And Corey Anderson, 
uh, over time, but we know him as Beast in 25 8. He should never have got rid of that nickname. Taking on Dovletjan Yagshimiradov, usual spelling for everybody out there. Um, in the other so in, in, in the other quarterfinal uh, fight at 205 pounds, Paul Daly's on the card as well against Sabah Hamasi at 170, as is the former featherweight women's champion, Julia Budd. So loads going on, on on Friday night from the fight sphere. But it's all a bit of an hors d'oeuvre for Saturday night at UFC fight night at the Apex. Robert Whittaker, Kelvin Gastelum, and as you said at the start of the show, Sandu, and you can elaborate on this now, there's a potential title shot on the line here. This is a big, big fight at 185 pounds. It certainly is. Listen, if Robert, Robert Whittaker wins, in my opinion, he should be next in line to fight Israel Adesanya for the UFC middleweight championship. Izzy went up to light heavyweight. He tried. It didn't work out. And I think if he had won, everybody was speculating, well, is he going to come back to middleweight anytime soon? Is he going to try and go for the triple championship accomplishment and go up to heavyweight and all the rest of it? Or is he going to stick around at light heavyweight and, and try and allure... John Jones back down to 205 pounds for a massive, massive fight. None of that's on the table now. Izzy's back to, to middleweight. He's going to be defending that 185 championship belt next. We know that. Who is he going to fight now? Robert Whitaker, former champion. They've already got one fight in the books. Izzy won that since Robert Whitaker lost that fight to Israel Adesanya. He has beaten Darren Till. He has beaten Jared Cannonier. And in my opinion, if he beats Kelvin Gaston, that's three wins in a row against top guys. And it's unfortunate that the, the original opponent that he was going to fight, Paolo Costa, isn't available on, on this one. Because had he beaten him, given the lay of the land of the middleweight division and some of the other um, you know results and bits and pieces that we've had, that would have been an absolute shoe-in then for Robert Whitaker. But I say that all to say this. Robert Whitaker wins this one. Given all the options on the table, he should be fighting for the title next, in my opinion. On the flip side, though, I think if Kelvin Gastelum wins now, can he make a case? Yeah, he can make a case. He's just, you know, for Robert Whitaker Right now, as things currently stand, Robert Whitaker is the number one ranked guy in the middleweight division. If you beat the number one guy, what does that make you? The number one guy, right? MMA maths. So I get it from Kelvin Gastelum's point of view. But I feel like that's a fight we've seen. Yes, it's a rematch potentially for the title this time around. It was a great affair. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's a that's one of the all-time great fights that we've seen in the middleweight division. Robert Whitaker, Israel Adesanya. But I feel like Kelvin Gastelum would need to just fight maybe one more time and get one more win, which is kind of weird to say that because a win over Robert Whitaker should do enough and, and mean something. I just feel like his track record as of late has been so inconsistent. You know, he's lost more than he's won, and he's coming in on short notice here uh, to replace Paolo Costa. I don't know. I feel like one more should do the job. But for Robert Whitaker, yeah, this is an easy slam dunk. You win, you get the title next, in my opinion. What do you think, Sai? It's a fascinating one, and I think Israel Adesanya may have a bit to say about this because if Whitaker wins, as you say, I think it's pretty cut and dried, right? He's the number one contender right now. He wins his fight. He's still the number one contender. And when Adesanya is ready to come back, he needs to be facing the top available contender. That is, as it stands, Robert Whittaker. And that is how it will be if he wins at the weekend. It gets tricky if Kelvin Gastelum wins this fight because Kelvin Gastelum's record has not been the best over the course of the last two years. 
He got beat by Israel Adesanya in one of the greatest fights, as you said, um, in, in middleweight history at UFC 236. He then went on to get beat by Darren Till, split decision. He then lost very quickly to Jack Hermanson, who submitted him inside uh, a minute and 20 seconds with a heel hook uh, last July. He since bounced back against Ian Heinish, but with all due respect to, to Ian Heinish, he is not yet a top contender at 185 pounds. He was, uh, he was fed to Kelvin Gastelum really as a bit of an acid test, and Gastelum uh, won that fight by decision. So if Gastelum wins, there is certainly enough there for the UFC to sell that rematch because of how incredible that first fight was. And it, it was an unbelievable fight, but they're going to have to give it the hard sell given the fact that he, you know, that, that was the first of three straight losses. Um, but if you beat Whitaker, I think, I think that's a job the UFC are more than capable of doing that fight is sellable. But at that point, it, be, it becomes a case of if you're Israel Adesanya, do you want to come back for that fight? Or do you want to just sit back a little bit and say, do you know what? I'll wait till I'll wait till Q3. I'll wait till the autumn. Um, let's see Kelvin Gastelum versus Paolo Costa. Let's see that. And then I'll face the winner. Um, I mean, he might decide that, do you know what? I like the idea of being on that Conor McGregor card in Vegas. That, you know, that'll earn me the biggest pay-per-view payday of my career. Even if I'm the co-main event, um, get me on that card. It doesn't matter who I'm fighting because I'm on a Conor McGregor card. Um, that's going to get the most eyeballs on me. And actually, if I'm facing a guy who I know I can already beat, then I can really turn on the style on a card that's going to have the whole fighting world watching it, raises his own stock, gets a huge payday. Then he can go on and face whoever he wants after that. So I think there's certainly a, a case for Adesanya jumping on that Gastelum fight if it's available, if he can get it where he wants it. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the question is, can Kelvin Gastelum, who's blown really hot and cold of late, really find his form against Whitaker because Whitaker is really tricky to look good against. He's really hard to pin down. Um, it's only really been uh, Yoel Romero and Israel Adesanya who have really managed to drag him, really drag him into the trenches in a major way. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think, can Gaslam do it? I think he can. Gaslam has got the chin to survive against Robert Whitaker, And I think, he has the potential to turn that fight into a really good matchup, but can he do enough to win it? I think Whitaker is a much more educated striker. I think Whitaker's takedown defense is good enough to nullify what Kelvin's got in terms of his wrestling. So I don't know what Kelvin's got that can outdo Whitaker. I think Whitaker's got the better cardio. He's more established over five round fights. So wherever I look at it and think, where's Kelvin got a really good chance here? I think Whitaker is better than him. So, on paper, this is Whitaker's fight to lose. But if Kelvin gets it done, I think he deserves a shot at the belt, even though things have been a little bit tricky. The middleweight division has been sort of thrown up in the air a little bit. I don't think Marvin Vittori is as good as either of these two guys. And I don't, and, and with Darren Till ruled out with his uh, broken collarbone, it really is down to these two at the moment. So um, I think if Gastelum wins, Adesanya either sits back and says, let's see, let's see a number one contender fight with Costa. Or he says, give me Gaslam. Let's do that epic rematch and let's do it. Let's do it on the, on, on the Conor McGregor card. But um, I think the winner of this gets a title shot next. 
it's a fair point about Adesanya. I'm sure he wants to get back in there sooner rather than later and erase the memory of the Jan Blachowicz fight and you know get back in the win column and you know get back on track and uh, defend his middleweight championship. And if that's you know Kelvin Gastelum, if he can beat Robert Whitaker this weekend, then fine, so be it. So yeah, um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess you know the middleweight division is a bit, a little bit all over the place, really. You know, you've got injuries, you've got. A, a few fights that were supposed to take place that made all the sense in the world on paper that would have produced a legitimate contender if they've, they've fallen apart for one reason or another. So, yeah, I think you've convinced me, Simon. I think <laughs> after all of that, I'm going to do a complete 180. And why not? Yeah, if Kelvin Gaston can beat Robert Whitaker, the fact that Whitaker is the number one ranked fighter in the division and, and all the other factors that we've discussed, why not? Let's have that go down again. And to be fair, the first fight was such a spectacular affair. Who wouldn't want to see that again? I think that's the clincher. I think because that first fight was so good, if that first fight had just been a one-sided domination from Adesanya who just cruises to a decision win, we're not having this conversation. I think because it was such an epic fight and Gastelum has pushed Adesanya harder than any other fighter that we've seen in the octagon. Um, I know Vittori got a split uh, decision, so one of the judges gave him the win against Adesanya when they fought way back. I think... When we're talking top level, Adesanya at his best operating at championship level, no one has pushed him harder um, at middleweight than Kelvin Gastelum. So uh, we'll be very interested to see how that goes. As I say, having said all of that, I think Robert Whittaker wins that fight. And uh, former world champion, of course. You know, this isn't just number one contender. He is the former world champion uh, and a very, very good one at that. So that is the main event on Saturday night. Just looking at this fight card, Sandu, not absolutely stacked to the gills, but there's some interesting stuff on there. What what other fight sort of leaps off the page? You're on fight night duty this weekend. What's the yeah. other fight that you're looking at and you're thinking, okay, this is one that's likely to uh, to deliver a, a highlight real moment for the social media feed the next day? I think, and again, I'm still reeling off WrestleMania week, so I haven't really had a chance as we record today on this lovely Wednesday to really go deep into this card. But looking at it on paper... Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, I mean, this guy, he always tends to deliver an incredible, spectacular knockout, you know. Now, the funny thing is, the last time we saw him, he was on the receiving end of a spectacular knockout via an incredible punch knockout from Chaos Williams. So I'm expecting to see Abdul Razak Al-Hassan come back and, uh, and, and kind of do what he's typically known for, which is just destroy somebody uh, in this case it'll be you know jacob malcoon who i'm not too familiar with if i'm being honest with you but i think this is set up nicely for a, a re return to form for al hassan to deliver a knockout and uh, give us something nice to post on social media yeah it certainly is jacob malcoon has fought once in the ufc he lasted 18 seconds uh he got knocked out by phil hawes both men were uh, making their octagon debut, I believe, at UFC 254. Phil Hawes came out, starched him in 18 seconds. Prior to that, he was unbeaten, uh, Jacob Malcoon, coming over from from uh, from from Australia, and uh, it didn't it didn't work out for him. It didn't work out for him, and uh, he got he got starched early. Now he's facing Al Hazak, uh, sorry, Abdul Razak Al Hassan, who's moving up from welterweight to middleweight. Um, will he carry that power up with him? Because Malcoon is not the biggest middleweight. So uh, I think size-wise, they're going to be pretty even on fight night. Uh, but we know Al-Hassan has got that incredible punch power. So, um, yeah, that is definitely one to watch out for. Only other thing to mention on that on that main card, Sandu, Chase Sherman. Chase Sherman 
was uh, was all due was all due to to fight against uh, Parker Porter uh, on the, on the main card. Porter was uh, was taken off the card last week. I think he might have been injured, uh, and he's got a replacement opponent now. As Chase Sherman, former heavyweight champion of the world, Andre Arlovsky is stepping in on short notice, which is absolutely mad. Imagine that you know you're getting ready to fight your opponent, who is not that heralded a name. He's only had one or two fights in the UFC. He disappears off the card, and all of a sudden, in steps one of the most experienced fighters in the UFC heavyweight division and a former world champion at that. Uh, so that one will be interesting to see uh, how Chase Sherman does against the pit bull, Andre Arlovsky. Co-main event on that one, Jeremy Stevens versus Drakkar Close. That will be a banger. I do not think the judges will be needed for that fight. Um, that wraps things up pretty much, Sandu, I think. Uh, this Saturday night, UFC on ESPN, 22, I think, is the official the official branded name for this one. Whitaker versus Gastelum from the Apex. And uh, it's not long before we see them disappear from the Apex and head off to uh, to have shows in front of fans. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to kind of miss the Apex. I kind of like it. Um, and But it's, it's done the UFC so, so well over the course of the last 18 months or so um, as they've uh, coped with this pandemic uh, remarkably well. Thanks in no small part to that building in Las Vegas. But uh, yeah, Sandu, I think that's pretty much all we've got this week. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if anybody wants to help support the show, the best thing you can do is go to our YouTube channel. We're right there at the moment, audio version only, but we will be there on video in all our glory very, very soon. But go to our YouTube channel, subscribe, like the video. You can just listen to us while the YouTube video plays in the background on your TV, your monitor, your phone, what have you. That being said, if you listen to us on Spotify, we appreciate you, as well as those of you who listen to us on Apple Podcasts. And for those of you that do, do us a solid favor, rate and review us. When you do that, you taking 30 seconds out of your schedule and out of your time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts means more people will hopefully find us and find the show. So if you can do that, that would be a great way for you to show us your support. So that all being said, Simon, the Britpack.substack.com is still there and alive. And obviously people can go to the BritpackMMA.com. That is our website. And from there you can find the show. You can find us on social media and what have you. And speaking of social media, we are on Twitter at the MMA. Simon is at Simon Head on Twitter, at Simon Head Sport on Facebook and Instagram. And myself, I am at Sandu MMA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. There we go. Another hour done, another pack show done, and another pack weekend of MMA is coming our way. We've got Bellator on Friday night. We've got UFC on Saturday night. And uh, we've actually got one championship later tonight. We're recording on a Wednesday. So uh, if anything crazy happens in that, you'll hear about that next week as well. But Things are, things are chugging along rather nicely. And uh, as Sandy says, it won't be long before you'll get to see our ugly mugs in high definition on uh, on YouTube when we get this thing up and running as a video show. But thank you to everyone out there for, for listening, for all your support. And uh, enjoy the fights this weekend. And we'll speak to you in a week's time. Yeah.